Welcome, fellow Illumineers, to Once Upon a Lorcana, the family-friendly podcast where the magic of Disney meets the enchantment of card collecting. I'm Noah, and with me is my older brother Benji, and together, we're your guides through the incredible tales and adventures that await in the world of Lorcana. Get ready for Lorcana lore like you've never experienced before, where the cards are our storybooks, and every shuffle is a new adventure. How's it going, Noah? So, so good. We just had Halloween. It's a spooky time of year. That's right. Absolutely. It's been a fun week. We had our first episode launch last week, and uh, so many of you were so kind to take a listen and share some good thoughts. So just thank you so much. It's been it's been humbling and and really wonderful just to see the support and the love from our fellow Illumineers. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we truly do. And it's interesting to see as well how many people have become interested in the podcast who are familiar with card games or maybe just familiar with Disney. Um, it seems like it's it's hitting home with a lot of people, which makes me happy. Yeah, I love it. It's so great. Uh, I think Lorcana in general is is doing a good job of you know getting into the hearts of those that love card games or Disney or both. You know, it's just capturing yeah. them. It, it got us so. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to to start off episode two, kind of talking about a little bit of a post-Halloween villain uh, episode. And uh, just to start off, we'll kind of go into our little uh, just personal update section. So as I said before, you know, there was so much support from you guys, especially on uh, Twitter slash X. You guys are awesome. Uh, feel free to follow us at uh, once upon a Lorcana, it's uh, once underscore upon underscore uh, underscore Lorcana, and uh, we'd love to interact with you and chat with you there. Um, I would say that that was the absolute best thing that happened was putting out our first episode, but there was one thing even better. You know what that was, Noah? I think I do. Go ahead and uh, continue and we'll see if I'm right. (laughs) So we put out the first episode and my wife listened to the episode and I got a text saying, this is so fun. I want to build a Sapphire um, Ruby deck. And I was like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. It just made my heart (laughs) so happy. (laughs) She doesn't know what she's gotten herself into. She won't be able to escape. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and even better than launching the the podcast was just the support from my wife, which was so fun. So, um after work one day, I came home and there was some Disneyland music playing on on our, you know, speakers and she said, "We're going to have um Dole Whips, you know, homemade Dole Whips and we're going to play Lorcana." And it was so fun. We got the kids to bed. We had some yummy food. We were both super exhausted that night but we we managed to play a game and i was kind of showing her how to do it and teaching her uh, how to play which was so fun so we might have to have her on just to go through that experience of of how did it feel to just go through it the first time what's hard what's confusing and it'll be fun to to have that so you know i think i remember seeing on the the family group chat um did you guys end up making those bread bowl soup things like they have at the pier in in disneyland Oh, that's right. So, yes, she she made some delicious bread, and it was kind of like at, uh, what's it called, Paradise Pier in California Adventure. Right, right. You know, those yeah. sour bread, sourdough bread bowls. And, it's uh, so we good. And we had that, and it was, it was so fun. So we had that, which was reminiscent of our, our time in California Adventure, 
we had our our dole whips and we played some lorcana and it was just a fun fun date night with the wife so that was just the best thing um what about you though noah any fun updates for this last week yeah you know um i am looking into this job uh it's a painting position where you go to different social events and you teach people kind of how to paint you run them through the little activity um and it seems super super fun uh, you know, Benji's aware and the rest of my family's aware that I love doing art. I'm not studying it or anything like that, but uh, I enjoy it enough and I enjoy people enough that I feel like it would be a really good position. So anyway, oh, it's, awesome. it's exciting. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, well, good luck with that. Um, we wanted to, to kind of talk a little bit about, um, a news section coming up. So here's a little break as we're going into the news section. Here we are. So with our news section, uh, we have the new set coming out soon. Chapter two for Lorcana comes out in about, what is it? Two weeks, Noah? Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. Super excited. I think it's November 17th. Um, what are you, what are you looking forward to about it? See, for me, what's really interesting is the fact that Lorcana only has one set means that this second one is almost doubling the entire card pool of the game, which is crazy. You know, Magic the Gathering has something like more than 20,000 cards right now. So wow. when they wow. release a set, there's like a couple hundred extra cards, but it it's barely another drop of water in the in the pool. And of course, they make the cards relevant, right? They make them their power levels right. um, usable, but uh, it's like this is is changing the entire game by a factor of two. So it's going to be really wild. It's so true. It's, it's going to change the entire game. You know, at this point we kind of understand what the strong decks are. We've, we've seen the ones that show up the most at tournaments with, uh, you know, steel and Amber. Then you have your amethyst, your Ruby. Um, and there's been some fun ones that, that try to counter those with some, you know, fun aggro decks, but in general, you see a lot of uh, amber and steel. So this is going to be mm-hmm. awesome. It's going to change things up so much. So I, I agree. I'm excited about that. But at the same time, I'm a little, I don't know, a little uh, hesitant about it. Because I'm like, oh, no, I'm finally starting to get some cards. Well, not really. But <laughs> I, I've been able to kind of, <laughs> you know, play around and understand the cards that I have really well. And so I know, you know, what combos with what pretty well. Right. Uh, you know, not perfect, but when the new chapter uh, gets released, it's just going to totally change things. I'm going to have to relearn so much, which is fun, but it's also a little daunting. Uh, but I think it'll still be all right. right. There's not too much craziness going on. For sure. Another thing that I um, I think about is with trading card game companies, uh, when they release new content they need to make it competitively viable so that people buy it. Right. Right. And so I do wonder if after set, after set, after set, if that is something that we would need to be worried about where like these first set cards are almost entirely irrelevant because there's just so much power creep going on. You know, the later sets being um, just, there's so much pressure on them to be stronger so that they keep selling. And I'm curious to see if that's something that um, Disney would, would fall captive to. Yeah, I, I hope not. I've seen maybe yeah, one or, or two cards. Rather. 
Yeah, I've seen one or two cards that that are, you know, a little better than the current ones for the same ink cost. But in general, I'm, I, I think there's a lot of variety and diversity, and I think that's that's pretty exciting. So speaking of these new cards, we don't really want to go over a ton of them in this podcast. Um, if you're interested, you can find a lot of the card reveals from some awesome content creators and Robinsberger themselves. If you just go on to uh, X or Twitter and, and you'll find some awesome ones. But for those of you that want to uh, keep those things a surprise for your pack openings, we don't want to to go into those too much in this podcast. So feel free to, to listen ahead. We did think it would be fun to talk about just a, a couple of the mechanics that will be involved. Um, hopefully that's not too spoilery for you. If it is, feel free to skip the next couple minutes, but we're just going to talk about two basic ones. So Noah, take it away. Yeah. So see, the one that I think I'm most excited about is this new archetype that's getting some support. Uh, I suppose it's what you would call the bounce mechanic. That's what's referred to in Magic the Gathering. But it has to do with returning things back to your hand and playing them again for extra value. Um, You know, they probably do something for you when they enter or when they leave. Uh, And we're seeing a lot of support for this archetype uh, in in purple, right? Yes. uh, Amethyst. That's right. And so a lot of those cards also are themed around the Sword of the Stone, which uh, those of you who watched the or listened to the first episode know that I'm I'm absolutely loving that that movie. And so I'm just over the moon to see more support for that uh, that IP. But that's one of my favorite mechanics that I'm most excited for is that kind of bounce extra value flashing things in and out. Uh, it sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah, it seems awesome. And just some examples of that are, you know, every time your character enters play, you draw a card. Or every time it enters and leaves play, you draw a card. Or every time it enters and leaves play, you gain lore. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, or it, it, it can give someone else some attack power or something. You know, it's just they're, they're kind right. of fun. Uh, and there's some cool synergies you can play with. Um, another cool... Uh, new little mechanic is is resist right i'm loving resist it looks so cool it's it's pretty sweet so resist is basically you know if if you have a character in play that says resist plus one any damage that's done to them they will resist you know one one of that damage right so if you have a card that usually does three damage to someone if they have resist one it does two damage um, and there's some cool cards that have, you know, resist for themselves or can give resist to all the other cards, you know, that you're playing. So it's it's really interesting how that'll affect things. You know, I'm already thinking about the steel, the steel cards like grab your swords or the, the giant Tinkerbell, right. you know, things like that, or the, the smash or the fire your cannons. Um, how yeah. maybe they won't be quite as effective against these resist decks or cards. So that's, that's going to be something to watch out for and, and play around with. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to need to know how to deal with those threats in ways besides direct damage. You know, maybe you have to cast the, the dragon's fire, or maybe you have to play a bunch of green cards that automatically banish your opponent's stuff. Um, right. It's going to be tricky right. to get around. I think that, um, cards or creatures with, uh, characters that have low attack power are going to have a hard time breaking through those those defenses yeah it's true it's going to be pretty fascinating to to see so in general i mean i'm super excited for what's coming up 
Um, how do you think you're going to get cards, Noah? That's that's the big question, right? Like, there's a new chapter coming yeah. out. It's so exciting. How are we going to get cards? <laughs> you know, I wonder. I wonder what kinds of places will have them available for pre-order, and if they will be available for pre-order at their MSRP. Right, um, right. Because if that's the case, then it's not that big of a worry. But I'm not crossing my fingers. It seems kind of slim pickings. Um, the game stores that I'm familiar with that I visit regularly enough, um, it seems like they're even they are not entirely sure how much stock they're going to get. And so it's still up in the air. But as time yeah, goes on, yeah. it, it should get easier. And and I think, you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this the next set launches on November 17th to local game stores. And that later on, I think in December is when the kind of, you know, big box stores get it. Like, you know, your, your targets, Walmarts, ah. uh, those places. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, my local game card shop they're they're not even really selling it unless you go there and play the events, um, which I think is, is fun. Um, like I'm glad they do that. But sometimes I have conflicts, you know, on those days that they hold events because they only do Lorcana once a week. And if I can't right. make it that week, it's like, oh, am I going to am I going to miss out on being able to buy product? So at least they're holding out and uh, they want you to use it in the events and play with it. So I, I do appreciate that. And they keep it um, either at or pretty close to the MSRP. So I, I do enjoy that. But it'll be interesting. True. I haven't seen uh, many pre-orders um, so hopefully we're able to find some. Uh, I know, I I know that I I got my first starter deck from Chapter One from my local game card shop, and uh, I was there during Lor- Lorcana night, and they were like, "Yeah, we got we got three different you know starting decks." So I was able to to choose one there, and and that was great. So hopefully they'll have a a decent allocation, and we can you know get some during those events. So yeah, do you know if Disney offered um? any product of that of the original Lorcana set or sorry um Amazon uh I'm not I'm not entirely sure I'm sure people out there know but I I don't know I yeah I think it's on there but right now of course it's always the third-party sellers that I know that's what it's looking like right now yeah yeah I just pulled it up um it looks like I mean, it's not coming from Amazon Prime. Looks like you'd get it from a from third party sellers somewhere. So good to know that you have access to it. But ideally, you would just be able to buy it directly. Right, right. Well, I think that wraps it up for our news section. We'd love to kind of launch into our main topic. And so, with it being so close to Halloween, and also the past you know two days or so celebrating Dia de los Muertos, we'd love to kind of talk about some some some. Uh, some of the darker Some side to Lorcana, right? The villains. Absolutely. <laughs> so oh, one thing yeah. we thought would be, would be fun is just to talk about some of our favorite uh, villain characters that we've used. Uh, so Noah, do you want to start us off? Yeah, let's take a look here. Um, so one that, that catches my eye, and I, I hope to be able to play with it more than I have previously but it's the Maleficent Monstrous Dragon. Uh, as a review to our listeners, this is a nine ink cost inkable uh, storyborn villain dragon with seven attack power and then five toughness. Uh, it exerts, or rather, it quests for two lore. 
and its ability Dragonfire says, when you play this character, you may banish chosen character. So I think that this is very good. Of course, it costs nine, so there's a trade-off. But I think even then, it's worth keeping your eye on because you're automatically getting um, a two-for-one, meaning that you are getting two cards worth of value for what should be one. And what I mean by that is you play down this card and you're getting the character, which you can you know attack and quest with, but you're also removing one of your opponent's threats, which puts you a whole card in front of your opponent, uh, which is really huge. And now the thing about these high cost uh, characters is that you really don't want them in your opening hand because you can't play them. Right. But right. with Monstrous Dragon being an inkable card, it kind of gets around that. You can afford to kind of put these big haymakers in there because, you know, on the off chance that they are in your opening hand, just put them in your ink well and you'll be okay. You need ink anyway. Might as well put something there that's not useful till later. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's the one thing that I love about it is that it it has something right when you put it into play. And I think that's something really important with Lorcana. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a big kind of, you know, vanilla card that just has a high cost, has high attack, high strength, high high lore, and you put it down, you you can't do anything with it until next turn unless you have the, uh, what is it, the, the rabbit's pocket watch that can give it rush. Right. right? But besides that, you're putting it down, and it's susceptible to things like Dragonfire or even this this Maleficent Monstrous Dragon, right? So you're not really getting mm-hmm. a ton of value if you just play it and hope that you still have it by the next turn. So I really love cards that do something when you play them, right? I think that's that's pretty critical, and it's going to be really important moving forward, you know, with with competitive Lorcana. But yeah, that's that's definitely a sweet card for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, something that came to my mind as you were talking about that value that you get as they enter play is that um, if you have cards that give you or you have creatures, sorry, characters that give you a benefit besides just what their stats are, then it can be pretty beneficial to use them to sing songs. Let's say that your character is giving you like a static benefit that happens regardless of if they're exerted or not then you're not losing anything by having them be exerted when you use them to sing a song. Or maybe think about that three-cost Maleficent that lets you draw a card, right? Its stats are nothing incredible, but it does cost three. And so you can use it to sing your three-cost songs, which is huge. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, good point. Um, One of the villains I wanted to talk about uh, is Hades, the Infernal Schemer. So this one is is Ooh. super awesome. It's in the sapphire um, ink, right? It's the blue one. So this is the seven cost Hades with three attacks, six health, two lore, but and and he's a he's a legendary card, right? He's pretty rare. And his ability, I, I think it's so funny. It's is there a downside to this? <laughs> because what he does is when you put him into play, you can choose an opposing character and take them and say, hey, that one goes in your ink well. So, you know, if you played a yeah. really big card and I'm like, oh, here's Hades. And then I just throw your guy into your ink. Super awesome. And I and I had one of these Hades, but at the time I wasn't focusing on my Sapphire deck. So I, I sadly traded him away for a couple other cards to to fill up my my Emerald uh, deck because I'm uh, I'm team Emerald. But, <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows where right. they'll go with the next chapter? <laughs> but he's he's just a fun character, and he has really cool art as well. So I think it's fun. 
Yeah. And I love the the twist on this as well. Um, we reviewed last episode the different things that the colors do. And this is kind of an interesting twist on, on true, blue because true. you're not advancing your own inkwell. You're advancing your opponent's inkwell. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ideally, the idea is that late in the game, uh, you're not really worried about them having ink in the inkwell. You're just worried about, you know, finishing the race, so to speak. Yeah, so, yeah. Maintaining you know, It does make you ask, and... is there a downside to this? You know, maybe right, not. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Do you have another villain you want to talk about? Ooh, you know, I think I'd really like to talk about Hans, 13th in line. Ooh, this is yes. a steel card. Uh, it costs four. It is inkable. Uh, this is a storyborn villain prince. Three attack power and that three toughness as well quests for two lore Uh, the ability is stage a little accident whenever this character quests you may deal one damage to chosen character and i think that this is really cool particularly if you have other synergies that benefit you when other things take damage um and this is also nice because it allows you to do this damage when you're questing i know that there's some other characters maybe it was a robin hood or something where it has that exert ability on it where you can exert it to deal a damage, but then you're not getting to quest at the same time, right? So this one is really nice in that it allows you to do both of them. Yeah, And, um, yeah. you know, if the numbers line up correctly, you can just start dealing with your opponent's threats. And it's a very satisfying thing to do, you know, on just turn four. Yeah, and I we we played a game earlier today, and uh, I had that in my in, in the on the table... And you had, uh, I think it was Jasper, and uh, he has yeah. four life, right? Or no, it mm-hmm. wasn't Jasper. It was, uh, I think it was, it was. Oh, who was it? It was a I four life character. Genie. Oh, maybe it was Genie. Okay. Anyways, I, I you know, I quested. think it was it was Jasper. Yeah, I, I or it, I don't remember. It was someone that I didn't want to uh, to attack. So I don't know if it was Jasper because he does the. Uh, when mm, he quests, it was the Mad Hatter. Someone. You wanted to finish. That's him right. Off. There it is. There it is. It was the Mad Hatter. So, so what I did was I had a I had a smash in my hand, and then I had my Hans. And uh, what I wanted to do was, you know, quest with Hans, do one damage to your Mad Hatter, and then use my Smash card and take him out without having to attack him, because then you would draw a card, right? Um, but for some reason, I don't I don't remember what happened. I wasn't able to do that. But I was so excited. I was like, yes, I can take out the Mad Hatter without challenging him, right? So yeah, it is a pretty cool villain card um, that Hans and and uh, he's pretty fun to play with. So I, I do I do enjoy good Hans, you know, and and I like the flavor, right? Setting up a little uh, what was it? A little accident, staging an accident. Yeah, yeah, that's fun, you know, because Hans is so uh, he he's the good guy, right? But until the end, when he just betrays and uh, mm-hmm. so that's kind of fun, like pretending like there's an accident or whatever. Very um, flavorful. Yes. The next card I would love to talk about is the seven cost Dr. Facilier. This guy is awesome. So seven cost. He has four attack, five health. He uh, quests for three lore and uh, he shifts. Uh, you can, you can shift and pay five to put him onto uh, a, another Dr. Facilier. And, uh, I love this card because of his ability. It's into the shadows. Whenever one of your other characters is is banished, 
you may return that card to your hand. And so that one's really fun to kind of play around, um, play, play with, right? Because if you have a, if you have him, he doesn't have to be exerted or anything. If he's in play, any card that is banished goes back to your hand. So if he's in play, you can play your rush cards and just go kind of crazy with them. doesn't matter if they die because they're going to come back to your hand, which is so fun. So we also played with this earlier today, and I played him, and then I, I attacked with, uh, what was it, a bunch of my Maleficents that draw a card. Yeah. And you returned three of them to your hand. Yeah. So I got three back and next turn I could play those again, draw more cards, right? So it was just kind of cool. <laughs> he's he's a fun one to play with as well. The the downside is he's not inkable. So if you get him early on, it's just you know, it's weight in your hand. But he, he's definitely a fun card to play with. He's a rare, so you don't see him that often, but at least he's not a super rare or legendary. You know, you, you, you he's not that expensive. Right. Now, I've got a question. Uh, I'd like to have your opinion on Dr. Facilier here. Now, yep. with him being a seven cost normally, or a five cost if you shift him on top of a, um, a previous Dr. Facilier, do you feel like this is too late in the game to be able to uh, really reap the rewards of having that card advantage? Or do you feel like it's still early enough that you have time to actually work with your resources? You know, that's a good question. Um It'll depend on who you're playing, and if they have, you know, an aggro deck that's trying to get lore really quickly, then it can be pretty tough yeah, to, to utilize him as you want. But what I do like is that he can shift onto other Doctor Faciliers, and what's cool is he has two other types that that can be in the Amethyst deck. Right? He has a two cost Doctor Facilier, and he also has a three oh. cost. So you really you could have eight cards other than this big one to shift onto. So if you really right. wanted that uh, benefit of getting him on turn five, um, you know you could you could play a lot of his yeah, uh, you can other versions, Doctor Facilier Charlatan and Doctor Facilier Remarkable Gentleman, and you know they all have their their yeah. pros and cons. So I mean I think he's still fun to play regardless. Um, I like to keep him in my in my decks at least like two of them. I, I don't run four of them. I think that's a little excessive. But I think two is about right for for what I like to use them for. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I wanted to mention Scar, the Ooh, yes. mastermind. Uh, now, this one's really interesting to me because I don't know how good it is. This is a six ink cost inkable, five attack, four toughness. It quests for two lore, and the ability is Insidious Plot. When you play this character, chosen opposing character gets minus five attack power this turn. So considering that ability, it sounds like ideally what you want to do is play this down in order to give yourself a safe attack on to one of your uh, opponent's right, characters. Right, yep. Um, but, you know, just, just looking at this, how would you gauge its, its power level, Benji? Uh, you know, one, one way you can gauge it... <laughs> which probably isn't the best. But if you go on to tcgplayer.com, you can see kind of the how much it's worth for that card. Oh, hey. Uh, and so right now he's about 25 cents or so, which is uh, kind okay. of kind of the lowest that a lot of card shops want to sell things anyways. So right. not, not super valuable to be in a deck based on that. Uh, but also if you just look at him, 
six cost is pretty high. There's no shifting. Um, a five five damage is decent, but four health, he'll get wiped out pretty quickly, pretty easily. Yeah, uh, and and only only two lore. So I mean, he's he's he can be good if if you need that ability, but really that's where his strength is 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 in that ability. It's not in not in his base stats for sure. I mean, they're right. okay, but for six, mm, yeah, not not loving him too much. Although the art is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I like the art. Another thing, too, is that, I mean, let's say you are playing this in an ideal situation where you play it down. One of your opponent's characters now has basically zero attack power, and then you use one of your other things to swing into it to take it out. Right. Once you've done that, you've dealt with the threat, um, you don't really care that Scar has so much attack power. It doesn't feel like you're really getting the benefit out of that anymore. It's like you'd rather he quest for something now that you've used his enter the battlefield in order to get rid of the threat or you'd rather that he had more durability on him but yeah i mean it's nice that it he's is what still, it is he's still kind of a threat for them you know they're like oh great if i put some down they have this five attack character just sitting there true so, you know he's, he's still a threatening presence on the board but in general i think there are some some other you know perhaps better six cost cards but he's 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 a cool one yeah. and you think depending on how you how you build your decks he could be really good. Another thing that might be fun to use him with is is with support characters. Support is when uh, whenever the character with support quests, you add their damage onto another character. So oh. that, that's kind of nice too. So you can minus attack from an enemy and you can add attack to one of yours and really, you know, do some, some good work. So that could be kind of fun. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, I know that it's not the the most impactful card, but the other scar that's the red one, I've had that in my um starter deck and played with it several times, and it's just so bad. I just hate it. <laughs> it's just horrible. Um I Is think that, it has a similar the, stat uh, line, but the fiery usurper one. Yeah, that's the one. It's like yeah. I whenever I draw it into my hand, I am never happy to see it. And whenever I play it, I'm like, man, I wish I could have done something different. Again, <laughs> so super cool art. It's got to just be something about the way that its stats line up. Yeah, and this mm. one is a, a four cost, five attack, three health, basically. And I know there's, there's I'm not saying the correct terms. I, I forget what the terms are for attack and health. There's willpower and there's something else. I'll right, yeah, <laughs> however it goes. But yeah, he's, you know, you, you don't really want to play him unless you can rush him into something. And even then next turn you get, you get a Maui that can, that can do the same thing for even more. Um, but there is one other scar that's kind of cool. He's a, he's a rare in the Ruby deck. He's an eight cost. It's the scar shameless Firebrand uh, character. And he's cool because you can actually shift him on top of one of these other scars, right? And then okay, one thing that's that's cool is when you play him, you can ready your characters that cost three or less, and they can't quest for the rest of the turn. So basically, if you have a bunch of low-cost characters that have already quested, you play down this eight-cost scar, boom, all of them are ready again, and they can attack. And I think that's that's it's perfect for scar because it's like his... Uh, his hyenas, right? That he just yeah. like he gives the speech to, and they all charge in, and they're kind of ravenous. And so I think that's just perfect, you know, so flavorful of uh, Ravensburger to to kind of design him that way. 
to be this kind of leader of the little ones, the leader of the hyenas, leader of the little characters. So that's kind of fun. He is a super high cost card. So I don't know if it's that great to play, but it's, I love the, the flavor there. True. And, you know, considering that we do have a, a big bulky shift character to put on top of those previous scars, or at least the, the one that I think is really bad, <laughs> it kind of yeah. justifies it. It's like, okay, I can see why that one is allowed to be bad if its main purpose is to shift. Totally, totally. Well, do you have any other uh, villain characters you want to talk about before we go into our next segment? Oh man, I could I could go on and on, but I think for the sake of time, we just we just move it along. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's almost like a third of all the cards are, are villain characters, so quite a bit. Um, but yeah, there, there are more heroes, or if there are not, there should be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one would think that there's more heroes. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this next segment. Um, we wanted to kind of talk about, we, we called it the Optomancer's Lair. And uh, we wanted to talk about a couple cards that would be really cool to just build a deck around. You know, they're kind of the pivotal pieces to the deck. So, Noah, why don't you uh, share your thoughts about that? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I'm excited for this segment. Who knows if we're going to keep it for, for later segments. But for me, it really um, just satisfies my brain, uh, you know, pretty well because i am a very avid commander player in magic the gathering for yeah. those of you who know commander you have your legendary creature who you can play at any time you'll always have access to him throughout the game uh, and so that type of uh playing format is really cool because all of your cards can revolve around that one character now of course in lorcana i'm not aware of any kind of similar mechanic or um, or format that does that yeah. but i'd still love to just take a look at a couple cards and think how could you construct a deck around this so that you can bring out the maximum potential of this particular card yeah so there's a couple that i uh, had on the top of my mind that i thought i'd bring up and, and get your advice on benji yeah let's hear it yeah so let's see here uh the first one is bell strange but special uh, she is four ink cost. She's blue. She's inkable Two attack power and four toughness. Uh, she can quest for one lore, but she's got some pretty interesting abilities. The first one is read a book during your turn. You may put an additional card from your hand into your inkwell face down. So it's that typical blue ink ramp thing that we've been seeing. That's right. Um, yeah. So in that way, this card is an enabler. She's allowing you to do something that you would not normally be able to do. But there's another ability. Uh, it's called my favorite part. <laughs> While you have 10 or more cards in your inkwell, this character gets plus four lore, which is crazy. That means that when you quest with her, you're automatically getting five. So even Pretty if awesome. you don't have yeah. any other lore from anything at all, which is unlikely, you'd still be able to win the game in four quests. Yeah, yeah, as long as they don't take her out, right? Yeah. And so I think the question here is, uh, one, how do you pack this this deck full of cards that help you ramp? And two, what cards do you put in to benefit from all of that extra ramp? Yeah, totally. Uh, the first one that comes to my mind is one jump ahead. It seems pretty standard. 
Uh, it's the action card where you, I think you pay two and it lets you put a card from the top of your deck into your inkwell. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably just a, a standard include for this Absolutely. build. Absolutely. The other two are, first off, the easy one is the, the Mickey Mouse Detective. I think he's a three cost right. card. As you play him, it does the same thing as that uh, one jump ahead. You flip the, or you put the top card of your draw, your deck, into your inkwell. So that's just another way to build up more and more. The other one is is Grandma Tala. She's a two cost card, and some people like her, some people don't. She's she's basically useless. <laughs> she's a she's a two cost card with one health. Tell one us attack. how you really feel. <laughs> well, she's great. Love Grandma, right? Um, <laughs> And this isn't my real grandma. I really do love my real grandma. <laughs> yeah. But um, Grandma Tala, you know, she has one attack, one health, right? So she's not a presence on the board. She's just there right. and she quests for one lore. But when she dies, you can put her into your inkwell. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the benefit right there. So if you play those, you play your Mickey Mouse, you play your one jump ahead, then all of a sudden you're just ramping up to get to get all of that uh that ink right to build up the 10 the other one is the uh what's it called the fish the fish bone something like that um it's that's right it's it's, it's an item yeah and with that one uh it makes it so that um let's see i think i have one yeah fish bone quill um so it's a three cost it is inkable and you just as you exert it you can put any card from your hand into your inkwell face down so it's good Ooh. as long as you have card draw, right? Because you're going to run out of cards quickly if you're inking, you know, two of them because of the bell and you're inking another with the fishbone. That's three cards out of your hand in one turn. So you're not going to be yeah. able to, to have many in your future turns. So that's kind of a tricky one. But it's it's nice if you're trying to run this this ramp deck with bell to get that crazy amount of lore. I think the best thing to to pair her with um, are just some high some high cost cards that can do damage. Um, there's some bodyguard cards would be really helpful because you want to protect her, right? You don't want her to die. She's your your five True. lore character. So if she's your kind of pivotal linchpin in the whole strategy, you need to put it in an, an investment to protect her. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean. I'm trying to think of of some good ones um, in Sapphire. That you know, the helpful. one that comes to my mind. Um, it, of course, it depends on what other color you're pairing it with. But if you want to throw in the Maleficent Dragon, the nine cost, yeah. at some point you're going to have enough uh, ink to cast it. So, might not be a bad option. True. Um, the other thing that you brought up is the the card draw. If Bell is allowing you to play an extra ink every turn, and then you have other stuff like Fishbone Quill that lets you do more. Then you yeah. really need, you know, most everything you do needs to be giving you card advantage. So maybe you pair it with like Amethyst with a couple of those other, um, the Maleficent that lets you draw a card. Right. Because then right. you're not ignoring your board presence as you ramp. So maybe yeah, that could the, be a thing too. The friends on the other side singing that song to draw two cards. For sure. Um, if, if you're pairing it with Ruby, a nice card to play is the, uh, the Shield of Virtue. Um, because yeah. as you quest, you know, she's she's susceptible, right? She's vulnerable to attacks. So then you use your shield of virtue and all of a sudden you can ready her so that you can't, you know, the other player can't target her. That's another way to just keep her safe. It does cost three lore to ready a character, or not lore, three ink to ready a character. 
but it's nice to have for for certain. Um, the shield is only a one one lore. Or I keep saying lore. It's one e. I know. I'm uh, confused as well. It. Uh, so that's another way to kind of help protect her. But yeah, it's it's a fun fun deck to play with. Hmm. Yeah, and what's nice about the shield of faith too is that if you are planning on being really tight as far as the cards in your hand goes, then it's nice to have something like like that item where you can just throw your ink at it and not have to expend another card every time you use it. And so yeah. that can be kind of a good way to get some extra value out of it. Um, well, let me let me do one more. Let's sure. talk about Rapunzel, gifted artist, floodborne hero, princess. Zero oh, is attack this one power. of the new ones in the Floodborne? You know, it might be, but it was just so cool. I couldn't afford to skip it. <laughs> okay. So if you're nervous, you can pass. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Uh, zero attack power, six toughness, shift three. Uh, so you can pay three ink to put it on top of a previous Rapunzel. Yeah. It quests for two lore. The ability is let your power shine. Whenever you remove one or more damage from one of your characters, you may draw a card. So I guess I might describe this as like healing tribal. Like you want to have things that let you heal and you want to have other things that are good to be healed. And you want to have other stuff that benefits you when you do heal and just find as many opportunities as possible to to make that happen. Um, Yeah. What comes to your mind first, Benji, as far as how you might support this card? That's certainly cool. I would pair that with, um, I don't know, rush characters because then you can surprise the other go in rush and then you can, you can heal them, draw cards. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't know. I, I like the healing abilities of, of Rapunzel though. You know, her magical hair, it's just, it's it true. It's very flavorful. It can save anybody, you know, it can save you too. <laughs> that's right if you build around it correctly (laughs) i think something that i was considering is in general you do want to have characters that have a higher that prioritize toughness because if they just die the moment that they're hit then you don't get an opportunity to heal them so characters with lots of toughness that can survive a combat encounter or two um and also more things that let you heal um coconut basket comes to mind i think that that item uh, lets you remove damage counters whenever you play a character so that could be worth looking into as well um and yeah any other payoffs that give you a benefit when you heal and i think considering that this rapunzel has shift and the other rapunzels are are all working within the same archetype just throw them all in just throw all the rapunzels um even if not just for the flavor aspect i mean why not put 50 Rapunzel's in your Rapunzel deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But as see, long as you have, uh, you know, Flynn Rider in there and Maximus and, you know, might as well. Pascal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Those two cards have been on my mind. The Rapunzel gifted artist and the bell strange, but special. Yeah. Very cool. Love that. Some fun deck ideas. So I think we'll, we'll move on to our, our next, uh, little segment here. And this is our deck of the week. And uh, for the deck of the week, Noah, you also had one that you wanted to kind of highlight here. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So I have been theory crafting on the Lorcana TCG app. Those of you who do not have it can go ahead and go download it right now. It's okay. I'll wait for you. You can pause. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it lets you kind of construct your own decks 
using the the database of cards yeah your own theoretical decks and so one that i've really been enjoying is this steel amber deck um and originally it was supposed to revolve around uh, a beast card which is a new card that allows you to ready the beast whenever another character is damaged so that was the, the starting inspiration and as i started to construct around it i wanted to use um cards that um can just deal damage can just ping opponents so of course i've got the hans in there that we talked about because he's going to be dealing damage whenever he quests right Uh, i also like fire the cannons to be able to just deal damage to get rid of those early game threats yeah um, for just one ink and then there started to be more and more synergies that popped up as i started to kind of establish like Okay, so if I if I'm using this card, I need to use these cards, and if I'm using these cards, I'm gonna need to use these cards, and it kind of just constructs itself. Yeah, which is um, fun. It's an exhilarating thing. <laughs> so another one of the cards that I was looking into is um, Captain Hook, Captain of the Jolly Roger. Whenever you play this character, you may return an action card named Fire the Cannons from your discard to your hand. So that allows you to play more of those Fire the Cannons, which you're you're wanting to do anyway. Right. Um, And it also has this kind of cute synergy with a couple other low cost characters such as Simba and uh, Cinderella Knight in Training. I believe that one's also a new card. Oh, yeah. And these, whenever you play the character, they allow you to draw a card and then choose and discard a card. And I thought that's really cool because you could, in theory, put a fire the cannons in your graveyard in case you don't have one there. And then when you play your Captain Hook later, bring it back to your hand so that you maintain your card advantage. Um, I threw a couple other cards in there. You know, the uh, Floodborne Tinkerbell is going to be great at dealing one damage to everything. Um, also, a whole the, new world for when you do. The giant Tinkerbell? Yes. The yep. giant fairy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, a whole new world is going to be great because if you are having all these low-cost fire the cannons and you... You drain your hand early on, then you know maybe you can use your five cost. Um, uh, what's his name, Captain Hook, in order to sing this and then just refill your hand. True. So it's really exciting. I I still have to add a couple more cards to complete it, but that's going to be my my deck of the week. Um, any thoughts, Benji? Yeah, I think it. I think it's really fun. You know, I love playing with the. Uh, the damaging cards, right? Your fire the cannons, your smash, your Tinkerbell, that when you play her does one damage, and when you banish someone, you can do two damage to someone else. Your Hans that does damage, you know. There's just a lot of fun, a lot of fun cards to use. Um, so yeah, I think that's cool. Go for it. I'd love to see how it how it turns out. So that was our our deck of the week this week. So Noah, thanks for sharing that. So one one other uh, segment we have before we close is the uh, the new card of the week. Now this is the segment where we talk about just card ideas that we have, and uh, we thought it would be super fun to to share some of those with you. So um, these are you know not existing cards. We're just coming up with them, and so I'll I'll start, and then we can just trade off Noah. So um, one that I thought would be awesome, and I think we're going to focus on villains because of a. Uh, you know, Halloween and Dia de los Muertos uh, that's currently yeah. happened. So the first one I want to start with is Bruno, right? Bruno from Encanto. So Bruno would be awesome. 
he had uh, he has an ability that we would create called we don't talk about bruno <laughs> and and we thought it would be so fun to say that you know with this ability whenever any player mentions bruno the other players either draw a card or gain one lore whichever they would like so yes. you just you can't talk about bruno you just say all right i'm going to ink this character or i'm going to play this character because whenever you talk about bruno the other character get the the other player gets a lore or gets to draw a card i thought that was such a funny funny ability and uh, we kind of wanted to go off of the song and and have the picture the artwork of him you know seven foot frame rats along his back when he calls your name it all fades to black you know he sees your dreams and he feasts on your screams it's just kind of fun right so this oh, this big man. scary bruno that's this it has to be emerald right has to be emerald yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the green and the black and the rats and anyways we just thought it would be hilarious so that's the first card idea that we wanted to share so noah on to yours yeah you know uh one that i was considering is from one of my favorite ips which is meet the robinsons um it seems like this is always a, a movie that slides under the radar it's so good it is a good anyways one. good music the too. villain that i was thinking of absolutely yeah there's definitely more than a handful of, of uh, songs from that movie in my playlist. Yeah, yeah. Um, the villain is Goob. For those of you who remember the movie, Goob is the little kid at the beginning who's kind of the, the roommate with the main character. But then later, he's the bad guy. Something about time travel, and he just becomes this like bitter, angry person. And I thought, how cool would man. that be? Yeah, the bowler hat guy. And yeah. so... I thought, how cool would that be to have a card that kind of reflects that time travel mechanic? And so there's a couple ways you could do it. Um, you could work with shifting, right? Maybe have little goob as one card and then have bowler hat guy um, as the shiftable one to put on top. Um, I also love the idea of maybe when when you play one of them or when they get banished, it allows you to go search for the other one in your deck. That way they kind of chain together, kind of referencing that idea of, uh, you know, he came from the future to his past self, talked to himself, and then the little one was embittered and it kind of caused this cascade effect. So that would be really fun to implement as well. But I also think, uh, I mean, no matter how the uh, mechanics would be implemented, it's just such a cool character, so flavorful and so funny. Um, and so I think that would just be awesome. I love it. Yes, with his with his big eyes, <laughs> his big mm, sad eyes. Yes, little little goo. I know. <laughs> As a little kid, his big eyes are like they're so like bloodshot and like dreary. Yeah, <laughs> love it. All right, so we each have one more. Um, do you do you want to do the next one? I don't know which one you want to take. Sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, I need to put some. Uh, some more thought into this because I think there's some real potential, but uh, Zerg from Toy yes. Story. Yes. Uh, there's the line uh, where he's with Buzz Lightyear and, and they're coming to face off against each other. And, and he says, I am your father. And then Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Such like, a no! good moment. <laughs> yes. And of course, it, it's a reference to the Star Wars thing. And I think it's right. funny how now that they actually own both IPs, <laughs> you know, yeah. It almost seems just right to throw that onto a card. As far as um, the mechanics or, or, you know, playability, 
maybe maybe they introduce another card, Buzz Lightyear, alongside it, and they interact with each other somehow. You know, maybe it um, unexerts itself or it readies itself whenever Buzz enters play, or or maybe it's like extra effective when it's attacking a Buzz on the other side or something. Oh yeah, uh, that could be a, a very simplistic, flavorful way to incorporate it. But um, you could also do lots of things leaning into the kind of robot toy aspect. Maybe you make this card like a hybrid character item card. That could be really cool as well. That would be interesting. That's the idea that I had. Zerg. Nice. I am your father. (laughs) That's right. So good. So good. Awesome. Well, the last one we wanted to share is, for our last villain, Ernesto de la Cruz. <laughs> so with it uh, being Dia de los Muertos, we wanted to throw in a, a Coco character, and uh, I think his his we're we're not quite sure what to do yet, but his ability might be uh, Remember Me, right? Because he has that beautiful song. Um, well, he sings it kind of fast. Remember me, da 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 da. da. Um, right. But later on, it's the beautiful Remember Me. Um, mm-hmm. so this would be fun. It could be, it could be an ability that, um, you know, maybe whenever he quests, um, he remembers something and because of that remembrance, he draws a card, you know, it, maybe it's drawn a card every time you quest. That's, that's maybe that's a little overpowered, yeah. but it could be fun. Another one is maybe yeah, you create a song, you know, an action card. That's a song that's remember me. And maybe when Ernesto sings it. It has some some added benefit, you know, when he specifically is the one singing it. So maybe it's like when he sings this song, he gets plus two attack um, along with what the song does. So it, it would right. just be kind of fun to to play on that a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Any other thoughts yeah. about that? You know, maybe you you give him some benefit whenever he sings a song in general. Um there are some characters that have the singer ability where they can sing a right, song as right. if they cost more than they are. So yeah. you could throw that on there That's um, true. or some other way to, uh, to augment that, that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think it would be really nice to accompany it with that action song. Remember me. And you could either deliberately refer to it in De La Cruz's text in his mechanics so that it does something special, or you just kind of line it up such that, it just so happens that that card works really well with De La Cruz. I could see that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fun. Well, we hope you enjoyed our episode this week. This was just number two and it'll just get, you know, better and better from here. So thank you for joining us. If you have any suggestions or comments, feel free to share them with us. We'd love to, uh, you know, make this something fun for you guys to listen to. And uh, it's it's certainly fun for us to just talk about. So that's all for today's episode of Once Upon a Lorcana, where the magic never ends and the adventure is just beginning. Stay tuned for more Lorcana-licious episodes that'll make your Disney-loving heart go bippity boppity boo. And remember, dear listeners, in Lorcana, just like in the Disney classics, there's always a happily ever after, especially when you have the right cards in your hands. Thanks, guys. We'll see ya. Take care.